How are we doing, Fight Talk Podcast faithful? It is Monday. Actually, it's Tuesday. I'm not, I'll be honest with you. It's Tuesday. And we're back with some more Fight Talk. Uh, the man over there himself, Stephen Jensen, John Mosley here. We're going to not dive too deep into this past weekend stuff. We're going to really hit those uh, the main event, co-main. I mean, it was a crazy card, uh, a lot of finishes. But we're really wanting to, to hit the high spots, if you will, on this coming up Saturday's Fight Night on ESPN. Uh, man, I hope everything went well for you this weekend. Like, I know you're really busy. Um, I was on the road a little bit, but definitely of, uh, of the two of us, you had a lot more going on, my friend. Well, I had a lot going on, but you had a lot more, like, it's different kind of having stuff going on. You know what I mean? Like, my my stuff going on was all kind of, you know, from my, from my office at home. Like, you had to actually go out and, like, you know go out and really really do some work so a little a little different um but and when i say really do some work actually be a part of these shows <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like you're actually getting booked so um so that's uh yeah man we both had busy weekends and that's a long way of basically saying that i did not have a chance to watch uh this whole ufc show i was covering impact slam reversary for fightful um yep. and we did the post show anyone wants to check that out gotten a really great response and a lot of viewership on that uh, on that post show with myself and Denise Salcedo. So please check that out if you're a fan of Impact Wrestling or if you just want to support Fightful at all. Um, that's over on the YouTube channel for Fightful. But uh, because I was preoccupied with that, I was only able to watch the main event and the co-main event of uh, this past Saturday. Um, and then, of course, you know, I watched WWE Money in the Bank because I was trying to win some money on Wrestle Rumble. Um, I didn't, but I came pretty close. And... Uh, so yeah, just a lot of a lot of good wrestling, a lot of good fighting from what I was able to watch, and uh, and yeah, you're you. I know you had a good weekend as well with uh, everything you had going on. Yeah, easy man. Couple shows, couple states, nothing too crazy. Um, back at it this Saturday, and then we're creeping up on SCI weekend, which can be viewed live uh, Friday and Saturday from uh, from Red Bank slash Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'll be on commentary there with Dylan Hales, uh, live, of course, on the IWTV. So kind of just uh, getting a little closer to that, man. Got to like run around two weeks. So the next couple weekends aren't that bad. Um, kind of just uh, just kind of getting, I guess, in A++ mode for the red light to be on down there at the TWE arena. Hell yeah. And as Moses mentioned, IWTV, you can use code FIGHTTALK, F-I-G-H-T, T-A-L-K, and that directly supports this podcast you're listening to right now. So um, check out independentwrestling.tv or iwtv.live. They're both going to take you to the same place, but two different ways of getting there. Um, but yeah, check all that stuff out. Support support companies like TWE. Support companies like the Scenic City, Scenic City Invitational. I hope to be there live, and if I'm not there live, I'll 1 billion percent be watching um, live on IWTV. So, I'm in. Um, hell yeah, man. Love indie wrestling, but uh, but yeah, let's get into this uh, this UFC stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, like we said, we <clears throat> only gonna hit these high spots on this one. The, the top two, the main event, the co-main. There were uh, one, two, three, four performances of the night, though. I think three on the main card. So uh, if you did miss this card, like uh, you know, like we we need, neither me or Stephen were able to watch live and had to kind of go back and see what we could. Uh, go out of your way, man. A lot of great finishes. Uh, capped off, of course, by the main event in the lightweight division. Makachev with the rear naked choke finish. Fourth rounder, man. So grinder of a fight. We were both excited for it. 
gets the win, uh, gets the finish in a main event on ESPN, bro. Not not too much more you can ask for, especially when, uh, as we mentioned last week, you know, filling in for a main event that we lost. This was a, a very good fight. Yeah, I, unfortunately, like that main event that we lost is is such a banger. You know, yeah. Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez. I, I can't wait to see that because at least it's been rescheduled. We we should still get that fight in the near future. But yeah, Islam Malkachev, he is uh, he's the real deal. I mean, people have known that for you know a little while now. But if you look at his record, his only loss was to. Um, Adriano Martins, and this was back in 2015 at UFC 192. Outside of that, he's completely undefeated. Um, 20 wins, one loss. Currently on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 fight win streak now with his win over Thiago Moises. Uh, has wins over guys like Drew Dober, Gleason Taibo, Taibao. Always screw that guy's name up. Nick Lentz. I mean, tough guys uh, on this on this list here. And... Uh, He's a he's going to be a problem in the lightweight division. I mean, he's sitting at number nine in the division's rankings right now. He's for sure going to get a top ten guy next. Um, Moises ranked number fourteen currently. So, you know, but the problem that Makachev is going to definitely start running into, and I think he's already been dealing with it up to this point. It's just going to happen even more now. Is like there's going to be certain fighters I think in that top echelon that are quote-unquote, like, too big of a star to risk it against a guy like Makachev. So, like, like, you know what I mean? I don't, like, I don't think there's any, like, real incentive for, like, Dustin Poirier or Justin Gaethje or even, like, Tony Ferguson uh, level, like, stars or definitely not Conor McGregor. Like, I don't think that these guys are going to really want to fight Makachev because Makachev is very dangerous, but he's not, like, a huge name still. But he's also cornered by Habib. So, like, you are, you're always going to have, like, that that layer to things, too. I mean, Habib Nurmagomedov, I mean, arguably the best, one of the best fighters ever, probably the best lightweight ever. And he's in your corner, and he has history with a lot of these guys, too. Um, but I think the fight that he's going to get next is Dan Hooker. Because Dan Hooker has been calling him out a little bit. And Makachev is going to just want anybody ranked above him. And Hooker's currently at number eight with Makachev at nine. So, like, I think we get that fight next. And if we do, like, if he can beat Dan Hooker convincingly, we saw what it did to uh, to Michael Chandler. I mean, it, it pushed him all the way up the rankings uh, into a title shot. And granted, that happened on a show that Conor McGregor was headlined against Dustin Poirier, their second fight. And a lot of people were watching. But the point is, if he if Makachev can beat a guy like Dan Hooker convincingly, it's undeniable like he has to fight like top five level guys and he's going to be in the the conversation for a potential title shot soon so um huge win for Islam Makachev a very very a good night for him yeah very good night great finish of course on the SPN uh no doubt about it man again looking at that record it's super impressive and it's just one that maybe not talked about enough like you said the only one loss 20 and one career record now very excited for that potential fight with Hooker. It feels like huge stakes and just an exciting fight, man. So uh, a lot of check marks there. Um, <clears throat> anything else you want to add on this before we get into the co-main event? Uh, no, no. I just as far as like getting into the co-main, you know, Misha Tate comes back out of retirement. I mean, she had been gone for how many years at this point? It was 2016, November, November 2016. Wow. So yeah, five years basically. That she had been out of action. Comes back. Uh, TKO's Marin Renault in the third round. 
So, you know, good for her. Renault's definitely on her way out. Like, yeah. she's lost a lot in a row. She is now at uh, one, two, three, four, five, six losses in a row, I think, or yeah. five losses in a row. So it's still, I mean, Renault probably will retire. Oh, she did. She, it looks like she did announce her retirement after the fight. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yep. So that yep. totally makes sense. And Misha Tate is now in uh She'll be back in the Bantamweight rankings. Uh, she's currently unranked because they haven't updated them yet. But she's going to be, I mean, and she has the history with Amanda Nunez um, and everything. So do I think she, like, jumps the whole pack and gets a title shot next? No. But I think if she wins one more fight against the name that people know, I think it's totally within the realm of possibility she could get a title shot again after that with her being a former champion, her having history with a lot of the top women in this division. Um, so, so yeah, um, Misha Tate really did a great job to set herself up. I, I don't know what it really says to beat Renault at this point of Renault's career. Um, it just, I don't think it was that big of a test, but it was also the perfect type of opponent of like, see where you're at after not fighting for five years. Um, <clears throat> kind of similar to the Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz rematch. It's like people want to see Nick Diaz, against, you know, top guys like Masvidal and Connor and, you know, stuff like that if possible. But it's also like we kind of got to see where he's at too. Like Robbie Lawler's still a badass, but he's also on the decline, you know, like similar to Martin Renault. Like, you know, Martin Renault's a, a name people know. She's been around the sport for a very long time, but definitely declining. So um, we know where Tate's at. Definitely better than Renault. Um, we, we know that for sure at this point. So, um so yeah, I think Misha Tate basically. I, I think she'll probably she'll probably wind up rematching like Holly Holm or something. Like it'll be some sort of big name fight, and if she wins that, she'll probably get a title shot. Well, <clears throat> I, I mean, with a name like that, with of course, uh, with all that brings as a drawing power for Misha Tate, not gonna hurt at all. Especially when you uh, you come back like you're saying, get a finish here, and first time in uh, Marion Renault's career, she gets finished. So. Um, that's a feather in the cap for Misha Tate. Uh, I'm with you, man. It won't be long before Misha feels like uh, another win or two, right? Going to be in that title contention. Um, it just, uh, you know, I've not been the biggest fan of Tate at times, but for how she, I guess, acts here and there, but as far as fighter and all that, man, uh, always good to watch Misha Tate in there throwing hands. Um, good stuff, man. Good main event, good co-main event. Like I said, plenty of finishes happened on this card. Uh, definitely wanted to go back and check out if you missed any of these. But uh, you, you only had a couple days because here this Saturday coming up on uh, July 24th, just a few days from right now as we speak, fucking TJ Dillashaw's back, bro. It's been, what, over two years back in January, I believe, of 2019 was his last fight. Yeah, January 19th, 2019, TJ Dillashaw losing to Henry Cejuda. Of course, we know he popped after that. Back in the octagon with Corey Sandhagen in the Bantamweight division. We've also got a women's Bantamweight co-main. We've got names like Darren Elkins, Macy Barber, Mickey Gall's back for the first time in a year. A lot on this card, man, this Saturday night from the Apex on ESPN. Uh, but let's, yeah, let's, we always like to get right in. Let's, let's go, man. Sandhagen versus Dillashaw just a few days away. How are you feeling about this one? I mean, I love this matchup. Um, this is... You know, this is throwing Dillashaw right back in the deep end of the division. It's also giving Sanhagen a clear-cut, no matter what, number one contender fight. So the winner of this 
for sure fights for the title. Now they're going to do Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yawn again. Like they have to yeah. because of the last fight. But the winner of this should for sure fight the winner of that fight. So I am glad. So it's one of these things. I think Sandhagen already deserved a title shot. Like I feel like he should have already, like he shouldn't have to fight TJ Dillashaw. Mm-hmm. But the way that things have worked out is the way that I understand it. The UFC was basically like Dillashaw is going to get next unless you fight him. And it was like, oh, okay, well, I mean, if that's the case, I'll fight him and beat him, and then I'll take the title shot. But, like, I'm not going to just let TJ Dillashaw just get a title shot over me coming off of a suspension and all this stuff. And, like, the one thing that I'll say in, you know, for TJ Dillashaw, and I think it just started raining here, so I apologize if y'all hear that in the microphone. I'll try to echo, or get it out of the background if I can. But um, the thing with Dillashaw, it's like, there's a lot of layers to it, but like, I mean, he's very unlikable in my opinion. Just I'm gonna be yes. totally honest. He seems he seems like, I mean, there. I don't want to get into all that, but but the way that I look at it with Dillashaw is it's, you know, the thing that he popped for, it was so stupid because <clears throat> he lives in an area in Colorado where like you can naturally produce pretty much exactly what he was taking because of the altitude and everything that he trains at. Like he basically could have essentially, he basically could have just trained harder and gotten the same results as like taking what he was taking. He just wanted the the shortcut of it. And part of that had to do with him trying to cut weight to get down to flyweight, uh, you know, to fight Cejudo for the flyweight title. So, you know, he took shortcuts and he cheated 1 billion percent. And he got caught. Like, he didn't just, like, come out and, like, admit it. Like, he got caught. And then he admitted it. Now, I do give him some credit there. Excuse me. I do give him some credit there. Like, he got caught, and he mm-hmm. went, and he did an interview on camera. I think it was with Brett Okamoto for ESPN, I think. It was years ago now, so I don't remember. But he went on camera and was like, and I think he did it on his Instagram, too. And he was like, look, like, this is what I took. This is why I took it. I, I will pay the like I'm gonna like pay the fine and I'm gonna take the punishment and I'll be out for the next couple years like he like it was like straight up like I mean I couldn't really ask for a better response than that like I mean you you cheated you got caught you owned up to it you took the punishment so now you're back I mean and so now I want to objectively I as a fan of MMA I objectively just want to watch him fight now and just be able to forget about that. You know, I really do. I mean, there's going to always be that, that little thing in the back of my mind, a little bit of like, was he always cheating? Like, was he this successful yeah. because he just hadn't got caught before? Will he yeah. continue to cheat because now he has figured out a better way of doing it? Like, is a cheater just the cheater always? Or is, you know, do some people just, you know, do some people make mistakes and learn from them and stop making those mistakes? You know, there's, there's different ways you can go with all this stuff, but like at the end of the day, this is a great, a great matchup. Um, Sandhagen's coming off of that knee knockout of uh, Frankie Edgar. That was just nasty. It was like a like right at the beginning of their fight, 28 seconds into their fight, and then before that, he did a spinning head kick on Marlon Marias. And so he's, I mean, Sandhagen's looking like a million bucks. And his only like recent blemish on his record was the loss where he got choked out by Aljo. Yes. And and Aljo now, of course, is the champion. And, you know, he might retain over Piotr Jan. I don't know. I, I expect Jan to win because Jan was dominating before he threw the illegal knee in their in their first fight. But 
regardless, like you have it set up there. You either have Sandhagen versus John, we've never seen that, or you have Sandhagen Aljo rematch. And that's a great rematch because both guys are still young. Like, you know, the, the their first fight ended so fast that it's like Sandhagen never really got a chance to get going. And if he wins, you can run a trilogy. So there's it, this. I love the matchup. Um, as far as a prediction, I'm going to take Corey Sandhagen. I think that he's just looking like he's he, I think he's a guy who isn't even in his prime yet. And he's like this incredibly talented. And I think that like TJ Dillashaw is going to be one of those big kind of premier wins he needs, especially with this being a main event. Like if he can get this win, he knows what his future could look like as potentially the face of this whole of this whole division potentially. I mean, if he wins this title in his next fight, like I mean Bantamweight, I talk about featherweight and bantamweight often on this show because those those are the weight classes that interest me the most. Those top 15s of bantamweight and featherweight are so stacked. And Sanhagen is arguably, I mean, he's one of probably the best two or three guys in that whole division right now. So, um, and then TJ Dillashaw, we're going to find out where he's at. Like, is Dillashaw still TJ Killashaw? Like, the dude that we saw, you know, win the title. Uh, the dude who, like, really, you know, was all heart and, like, you know, the, the first real team alpha male dude to, like, really break through and win UFC gold. Like, is it still that guy or is this, is it something different? Cause he's been on the shelf for, uh, for a couple of years. So mm-hmm. a lot of questions will be answered, but I'm going to uh, Corey Sandhagen for my prediction. What about you? Yeah. Same uh, big Sandhagen guy. Even if you take, uh, if you take everything, like I- I'm same page with you about Dillashaw, how unlikable he, he has been, his attitude and everything as neutral about it as I try to be, I still have those questions in my head about, uh, you know, how, what do we all know about T.J. Dillashaw telling the truth? I mean, you know, you, you look at his record, like you said, his losses to guys like Dodson, Asun, Sal Cruz, and Cejuda, very, you know, none of those are anything to shake a leg at. But uh, would there be more uh, losses in here? I don't know. Uh, he wasn't very apologetic to his opponents after all this, which that rubbed me the wrong way. I'm very that- glad you brought that up, by the way. Because okay. that was part of what made him so unlikable to me. And I did not, I forgot to bring that up. Like while I was talking about him, that's a very, very, very fair point, Mose. Like the way he handled his losses, basically just making excuse after excuse and not giving any credit to the guy who beat him. I thought that was bullshit. It's, it's disrespectful. It's what, I mean, do what it's based like, do whatever we got to do to, to, to build a fight, to sell a fight, whatever, say whatever you got want about I me. Mean, that's fine. We'll get a chance to, to sort it out. Like, Unless we just absolutely just have a blood feud, um, it's okay. And even then, it's okay to just understand the respect that it goes into getting in that cage and doing what all these fighters do, risk their lives for the sport that we all, that they all, I mean, just so much love here. But still, it's a dangerous game, man. And just a lack of respect Dillashaw has showed over and over Rubs me the wrong way. So that alone, I would pick Sanhagen. But but it's like you said, man, we since that loss to Aljo, I mean, these last two wins have been super impressive for Sanhagen. You know, he you know, we, we said it after the loss to, to Sterling. It was going to be, you know, this next performance against Marez. We both were saying, let's see how Sanhagen reacts. And man, he has reacted like a million dollars. Just uh, I can't wait for this fight because of. The uh, I guess that that feeling towards Dillashaw and the, I'm interested. I'm interested to see how he looks. I, I, 
I want to know, like you're saying, what where do we stand with Dillashaw? But uh, I'm really excited to maybe see Corey Sanday and get another gross finish here. Yeah, I, I think that'd be uh, that'd be pretty awesome to see. And yeah, like you were saying with with the uh, the way that Dillashaw was you know handling the losses, like when he got beat by Henry Cejudo, and once again, like were were they somewhat controversial finishes? Maybe, like maybe. depending on who you ask, maybe. But like I I don't think there was anything that controversial about him. Like he got he got clocked, he got rocked, he got dropped, and he was. You know, he wasn't defending himself on the ground. He's just taking punches to the head. And, like, but in Dillashaw's mind, he says that, like, he was shooting, like, a like for a takedown. When in reality, like, he was just grabbing anything he could to stay in the fight as he was just getting punched in the head relentlessly over and over and over again. Like, it was, like the only reason he was going for a quote-unquote takedown is because he was basically knocked out on the ground just trying to grab something. So, like, it's, that was such... Uh, Henry Cejudo too, man. Like he just gets yep. so much disrespect. It's not even like it's not even. I, I get the whole king of cringe thing and everything. It's a gimmick that he does, but like in reality, that dude was so impressive what he accomplished uh, between his his Olympic wrestling career, winning a gold fucking medal, and then like winning multiple world titles in the UFC, all while not you know, popping for any performance enhancing drugs during that entire time. Granted, he had a little trouble missing weight sometimes, but that probably proves even more he wasn't on anything because he like there were sometimes he couldn't make the weight. And it's like mm-hmm. it's like, well, but if he was taking the shit that Dillashaw was taking, he probably would have made the weight. So like, you know, so it's that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, you know, people hate on guys like like Henry Cejudo, but then like have guys like TJ Dillashaw's back and it's like, come on, like, you know, Henry Cejudo, all Henry Cejudo is guilty of is being super cringy in his interviews. And guess what, y'all? He's doing that on purpose. <laughs> so it's like... And he's know. not the only one that are, is super cringy, let me tell you. Yeah, there's plenty of them. Um, you know, they're leaning into these these gimmicks and pro wrestling type characters because mm-hmm. they're trying to generate interest. Some of these guys, some of these guys are boring as hell. Like, Colby Covington's probably boring as hell in his everyday life. Like, that dude's probably got nothing going on. So he jumps on camera and says a bunch of outlandish shit to get people to talk about him. And look what it's gotten him. He's about to get another title shot. You know, like, uh, <laughs> there, there's there's guys like, um, I mean, Conor McGregor is obviously a great example. And, and Chael Sonnen and these guys who, like, like, Chael Sonnen is probably the best example ever of it, of a guy who... Like he was a just like a normal ass dude in the WEC, like just like the most average, this like mild mannered, just fighter for the WEC, and he had these these fights, and I'll never forget his fights with uh with um uh Paulo Filio. He he had the second one they had like Sonnen actually won, but Filio missed weight so badly that Sonnen couldn't win the title. It was like total bullshit. And like, and so like he should have won. He should have been the champion. Like he won the, he, he beat the champion. The champion missed weight, not him. And he should have won the title and all this stuff. And then, and then like he gets in the UFC and like, he's doing pretty good for himself, but nobody cares. Like no one's paying attention. And then he realizes like, holy shit. Okay. Anderson Silva's kind of running out of people. And like, I match up pretty well against a guy like him with my wrestling if I can do something to get enough interest, I could fight this dude. And that's when he started being the Chelsea and everybody knows. He was like, 
a decade into his fucking pro career before he started doing this this character. Mm-hmm. But but that's what he needed to do to get enough interest to get in the mix for for championships and main events and and this whole career he's built for himself after fighting. Um, so yeah, once again, like you know, that's just all to say. You know, people. I think people who get like attached to certain fighters and like like hate on certain fighters just because they're trying to market themselves, like they don't really understand or like there's something missing there. It's some sort of disconnect where like it, it's really like you just really need to understand what they're doing and just accept it for what it is. Now, do you have to agree with everything they're saying? No, of course not. Like, if you are like a diehard like you know Trump hater or whatever, you're not gonna like hearing what Colby Covington is saying. Like, I totally fucking get that. Like completely but also understand this dude is like he's only saying this shit to because he's trying to stay relevant so he can get title shots and it's working if it wasn't working they wouldn't do it but it is working so that that's just kind of where i'm at with all that yeah no yeah if you're, if you're good at it it's good if you're not it is really cringe again <laughs> um and like you're saying sahuda kind of plays into that some of these fighters are cringy and they think that it's good. So that's the, hey, that happens in wrestling too. It's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're both on the yeah. Sandhagen train. Hopefully he gets the job done. The main event this Saturday from the apex UFC fight night, July 24th on ESPN already actually UFC on ESPN 27 for those keeping score at home. Co-main event. You're telling me before uh, we went live, man. Some some number one uh, contender stakes possibly in this women's bantamweight fight as well. Yeah, I really feel so, feel that way because you know we had Irene Aldana and Unikunitskaya fight this past. It was like not this past weekend, but the weekend before, and Aldana won. I think it was a first round knockout, and. But Aldana, I was saying before their fight that I didn't think that could be the normal contender fight because Aspen Ladd was ranked above them, and I believe Ladd had beaten Kunis Kaya before. So Ladd is sitting at number three, Aldana sitting at number four. Um, her opponent this weekend, Macy Chason, is ranked number nine. Now, I don't think that Chason, if, if Chason wins, I don't think she'll jump the line. I think Aldana will get the title shot. But if lad wins i think lad gets the title shot so and we have uh amanda nunez taking on juliana pena for the title next that's already booked and uh yes. you know respect to juliana pena and all but like i think amanda nunez is gonna smoke her um i don't think pena is even close to the same level as nunez like i i think i think that aspen lad has a much better chance of beating amanda nunez than um juliana pena same with arena aldana i think aldana has a better chance of beating uh, Pena basically perfect example. We just talked about it. Pena talked her way into this title fight, like one hundred percent. He she talked enough. She talked enough about wanting to fight Nunez that she got the fight. There wasn't like a clear cut number one contender. Nunez has already beaten so many of the top women that it was like, all right, we'll give Pena a shot. But she got it by talking. Um, now that said, Lad has a chance to earn uh, the match against the winner, and. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think Aspen Ladd. Let me look through the uh, through the rankings real quick. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's got it's got to be Aspen Ladd if she wins. Uh, the only the only reason Aldana could potentially jump Ladd is because she. I think that her fight against Kunis Kaya was on the Connor and Dustin show. So there was a lot of eyes on that, similar to what I was talking earlier with uh, Chandler and Hooker, like. 
they might roll with Aldana. And it also depends on how Lad wins if she beats Chase on. Like, if Lad has, like, this really nice knockout or submission, like, early in the fight, then I think that secures her number one contender spot. But if it's a decision, they might still roll with Aldana instead because Aldana's got the finish in her last fight. So, like, there's a lot of moving pieces with it. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, they got to let Pena versus Nunez play out because if, if Pena somehow wins, like, Nunez will for sure get an immediate rematch. But... Um, yeah, and I'm for my prediction, I am taking Aspen Lad just for the record. Like, I think Lad's gonna win. Um, and I think if she wins, she is the rightful number one contender. But like I said, if she wins by like decision, I could see Aldana getting the shot. But if Lad gets a finish here, I think she gets the next the next shot at Nunez in the Bantamweight title. No, yeah, it's a it's a very interesting fight for a lot of reasons. Uh, I'm with you. I think. Um, <clears throat> shout out the uh, shout out. Uh, the GOAT, if you ask me, um, if we're being honest, Amanda Nunes. She was recently on AEW, and I believe they said something like one of the greatest women res- uh, fighters of all time. And I was like, yo, 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 can we just get into the all agreement that Amanda Nunes is like, if she's not there yet, she's creeping up on like one of the best fighters ever. I know the argument's always going to be, you know, the, the list of names and whatever, but you can't control that. Nunes has just been like, dominating everybody wanted ronda rousey before anyone wanted her so quick shout out to amanda nunez uh in everything and in life in general because i'm such i uh, could not be bigger of a fan of amanda nunez than i am met her she was super nice but uh one that i would you know it's it's the game right you don't really want to be in there at the end of the day you're like oh, i don't want to fight her but i also would love to be the one to beat her now do i think aspen lad can beat her i i don't i i don't think i do but I think that's a great fight for Aspen Ladd. I mean, born in 95, bro. This, you know, 26 years old. So much youth, so young. So I'm saying if, uh, you know, I, I'm picking Ladd to win. I think she does get that fight down the road. And I think she learns a lot from it, man. And then, you know, by the time she's 30, 31, 32, using the lessons probably she learns in that fight. So give me Aspen Ladd and let me just say Amanda Nunes one more time because that's, I mean, it needs to be said more. Yeah, yeah, and and like you mentioned, she really is in the conversation of like not just. I mean, I think she's unquestionably the best female. Yes, like I think that's already like. I don't think anyone can even yeah argue that. The only argument I think you could make, the only one, would have been Cyborg, but she smoked Cyborg so fast that like I feel like you just can't say Cyborg over her now. Um, Yeah, and then I mean you can have your case for Ronda Rousey for like what she did for the sport and everything. Of course, yeah. But but she didn't she didn't have this dominant stretch like what Nunez is doing, and the level of competition for Nunez is higher than what Rousey had. And the sport just evolved, and that's just you know this just is what it is. Um, but yeah, for for anyone who wouldn't put Amanda Nunez in like the overall goat conversation, the way you have to look at it is like, it's like yes, I get I get that Amanda Nunez. She is a woman, obviously, and I and I don't think that she would beat any of, like, the top men. Like, I think that there are men that she could definitely beat, but I don't think yeah. she beats, like, any of the elite-level men. But by that same line of thinking, you know, you can have people out there that are going to say, like, Demetrius Johnson's the best fighter of all time, which, you know, he – I don't know if – I don't know if he's – so much right now you make that argument, but, like, when he was the champion, right, there was yeah. a lot of talk of, like, is oh, Demetrius yeah. the GOAT? And – that's where I'm saying, like, you got to say Nunez's name in that same conversation, because, like, if you're going to go by that logic, like, well, I mean, Demetrius Johnson isn't going to beat John Jones. 
you know what I mean? Like John Jones is going to beat a lot, most of all these guys, because he's way bigger than most of these guys. So like, it's very similar to like Amanda Nunez, because the thing with Nunez that makes it really interesting is like, at, let's say at like 135 pounds or 145, like, do I think she could go into like the bantamweight division and like beat Piotr Jan in a fight? Like, no, I don't think there's a chance in hell she beats Piotr Jan. But I think that she could maybe beat whoever's ranked number like 30. Oh, yeah. Which is, like, really fucking impressive to say that. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's the case or not, but, like, I think it, it'd be interesting. Um, you know, like, that's how good she is. Like, there, I really have to sit there and think, like, there are dudes that I think she really could beat that are, like, really high level. Just not, like, the elite of the elite level guys. But that would be the same conversation in literally any sport. Anybody, like, not just, yeah, like, exactly. like, you can't take... Like, if you took the best WNBA player, like, ever, probably, like, Cheryl Miller, like, she was so dominant in her day that people would talk about that. Like, man, maybe she should play in the NBA. And I'm not saying that she shouldn't have. But what I am saying is, like, there's a big difference between the women that are guarding her versus, like, Shaq guarding her. Like, she'd never get a shot up. It's just, it's just a, to- you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, a, it just be unfair. So, like. There, it's it's really so that whole argument's always really interesting to me, like with like women goats in sports and stuff like that, because like some of them are so ultra dominant against other women, but then like them against men, like you really, I've talked about it before on the show, like years ago when they did the the Venus and Serena Williams uh, versus that dude in tennis in like 1998, and that dude just smoked both of them, and he was ranked number like 400 in the world or something, um, so like. That's one of those things I take in consideration also is like, you know what I'm saying? It's it's so it's it's really interesting to think about. Like in tennis, like I'm thinking, well, okay, or the Williams sister is that good? Because like this dude who's not that good just destroyed him. But in fighting, I'm like, I think Amanda Nunez could knock out some of these dudes though. Like I do. I do you know too. what I mean? I'm with you. I'm so like with it's, you. she could she could submit some of these guys. Like she could hold them on the ground and grab their arms and shit. Like it might or their neck and like it could be a really fucking bad day for them. Like, so it's it's just it's a really interesting conversation to think about. But at the end of the day, I'm with you, Mo's. Like, I think if you're gonna bring up the best fighters of all time, like Amanda Nunez has to be in that conversation. I I don't think she's number one, like right now. But like I think she her name definitely because I I don't think you can put her above like John Jones still or like GSP, right. GSP, but Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva, yeah. But like, but when you start talking about guys like Anderson Silva and kind of the decline they had towards the end. Like, we haven't seen that with Nunez, at least not yet. So, like, I feel like you can't really I, – I feel like well, Mighty Mouse is a great example. I feel like you can't bring up Mighty Mouse but not bring up uh, Amanda Nunez at this point. You know what I mean? No, I think it's a it's a fantastic way to, just, to describe it because I, I know exactly what you're saying. It was, you know, you, we get kind of caught in the moment in, uh, in this uh, – well, so-and-so is the best. And, and then and hypothetically, if the size were this and that and we made it equal, okay, cool. Well, if everything's equal, if we're talking about uh, just the heart and fire in somebody, I, I, there's not many I would put ahead of Amanda Nunes, man, when the uh, the cage door closes and that and the bell rings, man. There's just something about her in there. So, yeah, if we're having that big discussion of, of – Everything's equal, and we're just squaring up, man. Um, I would put her her up there, absolutely, man. For real, for real, for real, for real. One more shout out for Amanda Nunes, man. We can't wait to see her back in the cage again. Always, uh, always one for the lioness. Um, 
let's actually we're going to come back to the Kyler Phillips fight. I actually want to talk about this one next because he's one that it, we both are big fans of. We both love the nickname. Uh, Darren Elkins will be fighting featherweight scrap in there with Derek Minner uh, this Saturday night. Uh, I was trying to think the last time we saw Elkins. It's been November of 2020. I, I felt like it had been a minute. Uh, it was a submission win, uh, again, November 7th, 2020, back on ESPN then, too. Um, submission win uh, for, for the damage back in action this Saturday, man. Uh, do you think he gets uh, gets another win to add to this, make it two in a row? Uh, I mean, I kind of hope so, because Darren Elkins is, like, a really exciting guy to watch. Um, he has the worst tattoo, like, maybe in the history of combat sports, but... <laughs> But he is, I mean, he's a lot of fun to watch. And uh, Derek Minner or Minor, I'm not sure. Um, he is coming off that win over Charles Rosa just a couple months ago on the Blaze yes. versus Lewis show. Charles Rosa is a tough out, too. Like, he's a really, he's a yeah. really tough fighter. Um, but, yeah, it looks like he's been kind of hit or miss. I don't know a ton about Minner. Um so I'm just kind of looking over his record right now. It's a lot of like win loss, win loss, win loss. He's won his last two in a row though. Um, Elkins has been, uh, you know, he he his most recent win was after a four fight losing streak, but that losing streak was against Alexander Volkanovski, who's the current champion, Ricardo Lamas, who's like perennial Ooh. contender, Ryan Hall, who just lost his first fight uh, this past weekend, and Nate Landwehr, who's uh, Nate the Train who is actually from, like, the Clarksville area, I'm pretty sure, in Tennessee. I, I know that name, like, locally from... He is. You know, He's Clarksville, Tennessee. There you go. So, um, so I mean, all tough dudes. So, my prediction, I'm taking Elkins, uh, mainly based on experience. I mean, he also has wins. Don't We can't forget, like, Elkins has wins over Michael Johnson, Dennis Bermudez, Rasad Bektik, like, really good fight, really good fighters. Um, he shared the cage with guys like Jeremy Stevens, who lost by Kimura uh, this past weekend, lost to Chad Mendez earlier in his career, lost to Charles Oliveira earlier in his career, has a win mm-hmm. over da- over Dwayne Bang Ludwig from uh, 2010. I mean, Darren Elkins been in the game since 2007 already. I mean, at this point, like that's pretty wild to think about. So I got to roll with the damage in my prediction. Yeah, I'm with you. Just experience. I think it's an exciting fight. I think it could be very, uh, very fun to watch. Like you said, we've you know, four out of five wins for Derek, uh, though a couple of those were, we'll say, indies for for the US, for for MMA, and then since being back in the uh, or being under the UFC banner, uh, a two and one with that loss being to Grant Dawson. I, I'm just with. The, I think you know. I think I'm with Elkins. He, it's been a minute. I think he's going to be fresh. I think he's going to come out. Uh, no real ring rust, and uh, and yeah, I think the damage gets a nice win. Uh, I, it's crazy, man. Uh, I forget how old Darren Elkins is. Thirty-seven years old. He, he just feels. I know we've been watching him for years, but he still feels like kind of early, uh, early thirties guy. But um, yeah, creeping up on forty is Darren Elkins, man. Can't wait to see him back in there. Been almost a year. It's crazy to say. Uh, I'm with you, Elkins, with the win. Um, Let's hop back up to the, the bantamweight scrap. Uh, Kyler Phillips in there. Oh, man. I, I know I'm going to screw this up. Uh, is it Raulian Paiva? Um, that first name is tough. but We're going to uh, roll with that. Okay. <laughs> well, so Paiva, who has you know, back-to-back wins. He's a, he's a you, you, uh, contender series Brazil con- contestant, Brazil 3. Won his fight on the contender se- series um, to get in. 
Lost his first two fights in the UFC, though. Uh, since then, back-to-back wins, uh, both uh, last year in 2020, a knockout win, and then most recently, July of 2020, a uh, a fight he won by decision, though. He is important to note, missed weight, came in a little heavy in that fight, so that'll be uh, something to keep an eye on for Paiva this week in there with Kyler Phillips, who who we just saw, what, yeah, March of this year, not that long, a, a nice win over Song Yudong, a decision win. Nine and one is Kyler Phillips now. Yeah, yeah, this is a, this is an interesting matchup. Like, you know, Kyler Phillips, he's only 26 years old, and uh, Paiva, I'm gonna, I, I, well, I'll have these names right by the time we do this review. Um, <laughs> but, um but uh, he's only 25. So, I mean, this is a battle of like two dudes who are just now kind of entering their prime or maybe not, maybe still a couple of years. Yeah, from in, in fighting, it's wild because some of these dudes don't really hit their prime until like their early thirties. Like Charles Oliveira, I don't even know how old he is, but he's probably what in his early thirties now too. I gotta look that up because yeah, Charles Oliveira say. is like just now hitting his prime. He already has the record for most you know submissions in UFC history. He's 31. 30. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah he's gonna be the goat when he retires dude like i'm telling <laughs> i've been telling y'all for a minute get on the get on the charles Oliveira train um i've been calling him and blahovich are like my two most recent yeah. like i've been telling y'all um but um but i gotta roll with kyler phillips is my prediction and it's mainly and both these guys have similar records as far as like way more wins than losses uh phillips only one loss in his career in 2018 and then pivea um paiva uh only three losses in his career but more for more matchups you know 20 and three overall um but the main reason i'm going with phillips oh sorry go ahead most no i'm saying 20 and three impressive man no matter where you're at that's that's an impressive record oh yeah absolutely yeah i'm definitely not knocking that dude not at all um but i'm going with phillips and the main reason to be honest is because you know his most recent winners over song yadong and song yadong is a tough very tough fighter, um, very, very good fighter. And he's still a prospect himself. Yadong is only 23 years old. And he's a guy who I think is going to have, he has potential to like maybe be a champion one day. He really does. Cause once again, only 23 and, you know, we've talked about it on the show before, but he's also, you know, he's Chinese and they don't have like a ton of like massive Chinese stars. Like we, we've, we've, We've seen, obviously, like Wiley Zhang in recent years, and we've seen other you know, Asian fighters that have, you know, the Korean zombie and stuff, various areas of, of Asia. But, like, to be a breakout fighter out of China at 23 years old, that's so impressive because there are so many people in China and there are so many people who practice martial arts in China. Like, to separate yourself from that massive group of people as, like, the best out of that group at 23 years old, getting into the UFC, like, that's why I get so hyped up on certain guys like that. Cause I'm like, yo, you gotta be, you know, how good you have to be to like stand out in front of that group. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? At 23 years old, like that young. So like, I think song, I think the world is song. You I'm a very big fan of his. And for Kyler Phillips to have a win over him this past March, it's very impressive to me. Um, and not to mention that Phillips is also on a four fight winning streak overall. So I'm going Phillips is my prediction, but it really is a, a matchup of two like legitimate prospects. Yeah, I I mean I'm a lot of the same reasons you just uh, labeled, man. I'm with Phillips that went over song. I was very impressed by. Uh, 
just I think the sky is the limit possibly for both still, but but give me Kyler Phillips uh, for for yeah you you've laid it out perfectly, man. Um, we're gonna hit these next two uh, main card fights, and then Stephen will give us kind of some uh, some fights from the prelim card, which will also be on ESPN. So you definitely want to check them out. Uh, he's gonna give us just a couple to keep an eye out for there, and then we'll be out of here. Uh, but uh, next up on this main card, uh, women's flyweight fight. One of my favorite names in the game, Miranda Maverick versus Macy Barber. Uh, I'm I'm excited for this one, man. It feels like you know both absolute hungry Macy Barber. Last two uh, times in the in the cage uh, have been losses. Miranda Maverick, the opposite, on a little bit of a run now. One, two, three, four, five fight winning streak. Uh, so it feels like, you know, both hungry for different reasons. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, yeah, I like this matchup too, man. Like this whole card really is a bunch of really good stylistic matchups. Um, like Maverick, I'm going to go with Maverick as my prediction. Mainly because, I mean, she's riding on a five-fight winning streak right now over names like Jillian Robertson and Pearl Gonzalez. I like Pearl a lot, too. Like, she, I liked her in the UFC, and she's she's been an Invicta um, more recently. I don't know how she's been doing, though. Uh, just had, she's had, oh, she's been doing all right, Invicta. Um, but I like Pearl a lot. Like, I like her on Twitter and stuff. She seems, she seems pretty cool. I like her interviews and stuff. Um, but... Marina, Marina, Miranda Maverick, rather. Um, she, I, I just think she's putting it all together right now, and she's beating, you know, legitimate competition. Macy Barber also has a win over Jillian Robertson, but her last two losses, as you mentioned, Mose, she opened two in her last two uh, losses to Roxanne Modafferi and Alexa Grasso. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with losing to those women at all. Like, I mean, Roxanne Modafferi is like as OG as it gets when it comes to women's fighters or really fighters in general, like not even like gender specific because Roxanne, yeah. like when she, I'm going to pull her record up. I'm going to guess she debuted in like 2000 or something. 2003. Dude, yeah. Had I mean, 2003. Oh, well, and all, and, uh, okay. The, the rest were exhibitions from the ultimate fighter, but yeah, so 2003, I mean, that's pretty fucking OG uh, to be in the game since 2003. And, um, but but the reason that, you know, the thing with Roxy is, like, she's, I've talked about her on the show, you know, when, when she fights. Like, she might be the most unathletic fighter I've ever seen, like, outside of CM Punk. Like, CM Punk was, was the least athletic I've seen. But Roxy Amatafari, a pretty close second, and... She is just the perfect example of heart and hard training and just sticking with it and being successful. Like, she is a, an inspirational story, I think, to anybody who wants to, like, really try to achieve their dreams and just go after their goals. Like, because she does not have the athleticism that you would normally need to be as successful as she's been in mixed martial arts. But she has just stuck with it, and she's always dangerous. So it's one of those things where, like, Barbara loses to her, and I'm like, uh, Barbara really should be beating her. If Barbara's this 23-year-old, like, they were, they were talking about her being the youngest champion and all this stuff. They were really pushing her, and it's like, you lost to Roxy. But Roxy's badass. She really is. So I don't take that yeah. much away from her. But 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 I think Barbara, that fight was set up for Barbara to win. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. It was, like, that right. was supposed to be Barbara's big, like, win over a name we knew. And they were probably going to get her right in the title mix. Um, and then she loses to Grosso. So I, like... Does Barbara still have a bright future? Probably. I mean, she's only 23. But 
I don't think it's going to do her any favors to be in there with Maverick. Because I think Maverick's going to go in there. She's going to beat her. And then we're going to be talking about Macy Barber being 23 years old on a three-fight losing streak. And, like, what's next for her? But Maverick, on the other hand, if she wins this fight, we're talking about maybe... I mean, I'm going to look at the, the rankings real quick. Um, we got the women's flyweight division, which is pretty wide open because Shevchenko is so damn dominant. So you, we've got... Um, who am I looking for? My uh, Grosso is at ten. Mavericks at number. Th- sorry, Mavericks at number thirteen. Barbers at fourteen. Um. So yeah, both. Uh, yeah, Mavericks still going to probably need a couple wins to get into the title mix. But luckily for her, though, it's like when you look at the rankings. Obviously, Shevchenko's the champion, and number one's Andrade. Shevchenko's beater. Two's Chukagian. Shevchenko's beater. Murphy is number three, and that's, I believe, the next fight is Murphy and Shevchenko. Maya's at four. Shevchenko's beat her. Um, Calderwood keeps losing number one contender fights, like, and she's just not going to be in the mix. Uh, Calvillo is not going to be in the mix for a minute. She's already beaten Jessica I. So it's like one of those things where, like, the climb, really, even though Maverick's at number 13 right now, and even if she beats Macy Barber, who's at 14, she might not move much in the rankings. Because of all these other women that Shevchenko's already beaten, like the climb isn't that isn't that uh, long for someone like Maverick. Like if she beats Barber convincingly, she's probably like one more big win away from a title shot. So this is pivotal for the career of uh, Miranda Miranda Maverick. I keep wanting to say Miranda because I was literally talking to a girl named Miranda yesterday. Like it's totally screwing <laughs> me up. <laughs> because I, I, and I, the reason it's screwing me up is because the name Miranda I, I'm not used to, and it, I had to train myself yesterday not to screw that name up, and now I'm screwing right. it up trying to say Miranda. Um, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm taking Maverick uh, over Barbara. What about you, man? Yeah, same for all the same reasons. I think Maverick gets the moment, understands the moment. Again, that that win streak she's on five fights in a row. Uh, you mean you get you get a little bit closer to ten in a row, and like you're saying, even with the the dominoes maybe not going your way, that's hard to ignore. Um, so yeah, getting random Maverick, very excited for the fight though. Uh, the the only one left on the main card, uh, one I'm excited about because it's a non Wikipedia page out of Jordan mm-hmm. Williams versus Mickey Gall, who we both have talked a lot about because of, of course the the opponents, he's you know the CM Punk fight. The Sage Northcut fight, those two back-to-back, very impressive wins. Bro, that's been almost five years ago now. Like, that yeah. blows my mind. Uh, Sage or The Sage Northcut win again, like, that felt like at that moment, either Sage or Mickey, who's going to be the one, you know, that's going to be the young gun um, for the UFC. And, you know, of course, Sage you know, out, out uh, other places. Mickey hasn't really, you know, took that man mantle like we thought he would. Uh, the last time we saw him was a loss to Mike Perry uh, back in June of 2020. Now sitting at six and three is Mickey. Um, how, you know, how are you feeling coming in this one again? A year off for Mickey, uh, as young as he is. And get that age again real quick because I know he's one we've talked about. He's sitting 29 years old now. Mickey Gall um, coming back here and looking for a win on ESPN, bro. Yeah, so full disclosure, I am super biased towards Mickey Gall. Um, now it has nothing to do with the whole, I just mentioned, I think CM Punk's the least athletic person in the UFC's history and all that stuff. Like I got my weekly CM Punk jab in, so, you know, did that, but, (laughs) but, and and by the way, I, I want to just, just for the record from someone who might be listening to this show for the first time, like 
I, I rip on CM Punk pretty often for his UFC run, but I give him all the credit in the world for having the balls to do it. Like, I think he's he is a, a bigger man than I will ever be in 10 lifetimes just for getting in the octagon, knowing his limited skill level and like in his camp, knowing where he was at and all this stuff. Like for him to actually get in there and actually fight people like mm-hmm. I give him a ton of credit for actually doing it. But but like skill wise, he's this is the worst fighter I've ever seen in the UFC. Like it, but, but Mickey Gall, you know, he, he showed the world pretty quickly kind of where CM Punk was at, but also uh, it spring, it springboarded his career because it turned out Mickey Gall is actually a really damn good fighter. Like you should have been in the UFC the whole time anyways, like um, different than the Michael Jackson situation where they had to go outside the UFC and like Jackson had lost to Gall and all that stuff. Mickey Gall, it's like, no, this kid's legit as fuck. Like he, like he should have never been in the octagon with CM Punk. Like he was way too good to be fighting CM Punk. Like, but that all being said, when I started the Fight Talk podcast, which y'all are listening to right now, the first fighter I ever interviewed for the show was Mickey Gall, and it was before his fight with CM Punk, and um, I interviewed him on his drive from. I think from like the chiropractor to his gym or vice versa, it was like a 10 or 15 minute phone call that he, like he hit me up like literally on his, on his iPhone, just like on his way from one place to the other. And that was the first MMA interview I did for this show. And uh, because of that, I will always be indebted to Mickey Gall. Like I'm always going to be a fan of him. I will always pick him for my predictions. And um, I am a biased fan because he helped me out when he had literally no reason to, no listeners, like no episodes, nothing. I hit him up and he gave me, you know, 15 minutes of his time right before the biggest fight of his life. And um, for those reasons, I will always pick Mickey Gall. So I, I, I'm ride, ride or die. I've got Mickey Gall this weekend. <laughs> uh, I'm with you. I'm going to take Mickey. Uh, it makes me nervous because of the non-Wiki page that we, it's really becoming a storyline that we've uh, loved here uh, since, since started doing these episodes. But uh, I, I'm a big Mickey fan too. I, I, I thought the same thing when it happened. I told anyone that would listen to me on my wrestling friends that this kid is going to go to town on CM Punk. He's going to do what he needs to do. Um, I couldn't agree more with you, man. Yeah, shout out Mickey Gall. Such a, a good dude. Great fighter. Still young, man. Still plenty in the tank. Uh, I'm with you. Give, give me Gall with the win uh, on the main card ESPN this Saturday night. Again, July 24th, capped off by Sandhagen and Dillashaw. Uh, Hit 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 our peeps with some uh, you know this prelim card. We've got some names: he, Brendan Allen, Ian Heinish, Randy Costa. Give a uh, give the peeps a couple of fights they don't want to miss over on the prelim card, which again will also be on ESPN. Yeah, I mean you mentioned like the the kind of bigger names there, like Brendan Allen, Ian Heinish, Randy Costa, uh, Sajar Eubanks, also on the show, good female uh, flyweight fighter. Uh, as far as like a fight that's kind of popping off uh, the card for me right here, I think Jule Arce and. Um, Andre Yule could be a good fight. Both guys are coming off losses, but they're both really hungry. They're both exciting fighters. We got, and also the Randy Costa versus Yanez fight, because, I mean, right there, you got two big, I shouldn't say big, but two very solid Bantamweight uh, fights on the undercard of a Bantamweight main event. So uh, very Bantamweight heavy. And then you have, uh, you know, the Kyler Phillips and Paiva fight also. So a lot of great Bantamweight fights. So I'd, uh, I'd highlight those right there, but, um, you know, shout out to, you know, all those kind of bigger names. Like I said, Brennan Allen, I remember seeing him, I think, 
I think I knew him from LFA. I can't remember if he did the Contender Series then at LFA or LFA then the Contender Series. I can't remember. Um, and Ian Heinrich has been around for a minute. Randy Koss is always dangerous. So, and yeah, Eubanks, like, Eubanks was a title challenger at one point, but, like, lost her title shot for missing weight or something. But she's coming off of two losses. So, you know, she's in, uh, she's basically in, like, uh, back against the wall mode. Like, she needs this win, so she's going to be probably pretty dangerous. If not, she's on a three-fight losing streak. Never want to be in that position. So, uh, so yeah, that's what I highlight over the uh, the prelims there. Great stuff, man. Again, a prelim, main card, both on ESPN. You want to check both these out. Uh, that's it for us for this week. We're going to be back next week, of course, talking about everything that comes out of this card and then previewing. Uh, we're got another ESPN card coming up July 31st. So uh, next Saturday, July 31st, capped off by Uriah Hall versus Sean Strickland. And uh, for those keeping count, that puts the next pay-per-view August 7th. It'll be, uh, we, got a, we got a, it was a heavyweight interim title, correct? Yes, interim heavyweight championship. Derek Lewis, Surreal Gone, Amanda Nunes, we've mentioned so much today. She'll be defending the Bantamweight title against uh, Juliana Pena. We've also got Jose Aldo on this card, Michael Chiesa, Vicente Luque. So that's a, that's a pretty loaded pay-per-view that we're just a couple of weeks away. Uh, big stuff coming down the rest of July and early, early August out of the UFC. Uh, man, it's, it's been good. It was good to get back. Very excited about this card Saturday night. Hopefully... We get a couple of good finishes to talk about next Monday. Uh, for me, you know, anyone listening, please follow me at Mo's KOBK over on Twitter. And uh, and we appreciate everyone listening and uh, and hitting up the IWTV. Oh, yeah. IWTV, use code FIGHTTALK, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K, all is one word with no spaces. Anyone listening to this, buy some merchandise. I got a What a Maneuver page. I've had it for years, but, like, I never really plug it, but... I feel like I need to get like a couple new designs or something on there. I've had pretty much the same shirts on there for like like four or five years at this point, whatever it's been. Uh, but yeah, support the show, buy some OG shirts because for all you know, next time you hear this, there might be some new designs on there and you're going to wish you had the OGs. I don't know. Um, but yeah, check that stuff out. Um, follow me on Twitter at fight talk underscore and check out the stuff I do for fightful, the fightful select weekender podcast. I break down the world of independent pro wrestling. I talk uh, pretty much everything that's not, basically like non-mainstream um we have gcw this weekend two shows for homecoming so i'll be uh watching those and giving a review of those on the weekend excuse me on the weekender um i mentioned at the top of the show if you want to watch the impact slam anniversary slam anniversary review with myself and denise salcedo that's available on the fight uh the fightful youtube channel right now and um, I believe me and Doug are going to do our normal Tuesday show on Thursday this week. And it, rather than tonight, I think we're going to do Thursday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. So stay tuned for all that stuff. I should be going live with Jesse Davin tomorrow morning uh, to review Money in the Bank and Raw because I uh, actually watched both of those WWE programming shows uh, this past week for the first time in a long time. Watched the pay-per-view and Raw back-to-back. Um, so I'll give my thoughts on that tomorrow morning. That's YouTube.com slash J-E-S-S-I-D-A-V-I-N. But, um, but yeah, everything that I got going on, I always keep updated once again on Twitter at fight talk underscore F I G H T T A L K underscore. Also shout out to music, music city toys and collectibles. Um, they are the place to be for action figures, memorabilia, autographs, old magazines, anything collectible for pro wrestling. They're the place to be. They also have MMA stuff. They have other sports stuff. They have nerdy comic book type stuff and power ranger type stuff and, and all that stuff. Um, you can check out their 
uh, social media, their Facebook page uh, in particular, they do sales on there all the time. I think they had one yesterday. Um, so, <clears throat> so check all that out. Check out their new retail location at 101 West Main Street in Watertown, Tennessee, and um, support them because they support us. Follow them on all social media at Music City Toys and their new website at musiccitytoys.biz. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, man, uh, anything left before we wrap it up, Mose? No, man, appreciate you. Appreciate everyone that listens, that downloads. Can't wait to get back. Uh, shout out IWTV one more time for that SCI weekend. Yes, sir. Looking forward to all that. For Jumpin' Johnny Mosley, I've been Steven Jensen. We'll be back next week talking some more mixed martial arts.